0: And welcome to our second uh, Easter Bank Holiday Weekend pod. Uh, hopefully you've heard the first one already. If not, it's there. Just click on Spotify or wherever your podcast platform is and uh, have a listen to that. Um, but uh, we're back and we had to come back, didn't we? We could not ignore this one. It was the big one. Yeah, Easterly Against Shop. No, Oh, no, sorry. Um, sorry. <laughs> That's just a little in-joke for those who've uh, questioned if we cover shot on the pod every week. Yes, we do, because I happen to be at all their games. It was Wrexham against Notts County. Finally, it came today, and it didn't disappoint. Um, of, the, of, the, of the guests we've got here today, I know at least one of them saw the game whilst watching another one. Um, let me introduce them now. Joe Pope is with us again, and uh, you had your eyes on two games, didn't you, Joe?
1: Yeah, two games at either end of the table. Um, One was a little bit more interesting than the other. But uh, Mm -hmm. yes, two games of football today. And Dickie,
0: you had a little uh, renaissance, didn't you tell, for the last uh, couple of games. Surprising the teams that you played, but uh, it, it was the more familiar feeling of defeat today. But you've got a smile on your face anyway, which is good to see, listeners.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was if Friday was a little bit like we'd just been given our Easter eggs, then today was that slightly sick feeling when you've eaten too many of them over the course of the weekend and just wish you hadn't. Yeah.
0: Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. And thanks to Luke as well. He's not joining us, having a few jars with his uh, friends tonight, but he will very kindly still be editing this podcast. Right, let's get down to business. There's only one place to start, and that is at the race course ground. The most important news from that game is that BT Sport uh, presenter or pitch side interviewer and friend of the podcast, Becky Ives, not only got to interview Ryan Reynolds today, but he called her By her name. And she's tweeted that that's it. She's done in football. She's finished now. uh, (laughs) She can die and go to heaven, I think. But uh, it was a victorious Ryan Reynolds. It was a victorious Wrexham uh, and a script that you wouldn't probably have dared to write. Um, Joe, you had your eyes on it, as did I, as well as watching another game, of course. But um, it didn't you, you didn't really get the feeling, did you, after all the hype? sort of 30, 35, 40 minutes in, it kind of felt like it wasn't going to live up to expectations at that point, didn't it? But then all of a sudden, it sprung to life.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a game of that magnitude, every every team kind of sort of just tries to see where, where they're at and keep it tight in the opening sort of exchanges. Um, but yeah, a brilliant free kick from John Bostock. Um, his first in seven years, I saw. Um, A lovely free kick, which beat Ben Foster to give them the lead going into the break. And then, yeah, Wrexham started really well. Paul Mullin on the score sheet, as he always seems to be. And uh, yeah, Wrexham went into the lead. Jacob Mendy coming in at the back post. Lovely uh, bit of play from Paul Mullin to make that run in behind. He seemed to make that run all afternoon in behind the Notts County back line, and they just couldn't deal with it. Uh, lovely ball across from Mendy. Um notts County equalise, Cameron, making up for that error, shall we say for, for Mendy's goal, getting the equaliser, and then within minutes Wrexham took the lead through Elliot Lee and that was it.
0: Um Yeah, yeah let's I, take it let's take it to that point for now and then we'll come back to the big finale shortly. We it was Builders Langstaff against Mullin, uh, and in that respect, of course, there was only one winner. Um, he was voted the man of the match, Mullin. He scored. He assisted the other two goals for Wrexham as well, and he was usual his usual dogged self. But um, Langstaff, a quieter game, um, just probably one half chance in the game, and then in the dying seconds, ninety plus six or uh, ninety plus five, something like that. Ball um, comes into the area, and it's him that competes for it with uh, O'Connell. And I just got to say, whatever else you think of referees or that particular referee, what a brave and what a correct decision. Um, It was handball. You could see that O'Connell quickly pulled his hand away afterwards as if to put it down by his side where it should be. Um, But incredibly, very few people in the ground realised that it had been given, did they? Um, The referee looked at the incident and play sort of carried on. Wrexham would half cleared it, but he thought about it. He took his time. He thought about it and then he gave it. And who on earth can guess what would have been going through his head at that point? I think it's, oh, my God, that's a penalty. I'm going to have to blow my whistle here and give a free kick against Wrexham. That's not going to make these 10,000 people, or not, you know, however many it was, eight and a half of thousand of them. Very happy, but it well, it did it was the right decision, wasn't it, Joe? And it proved to be correct. And uh, so, in terms of the award of the penalty, you got that right, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think Wrexham fans will will come out and moan, but it was absolutely the right decision. You know, Phil Parkinson. Now that they've won the game, he can come out and moan. He said it definitely wasn't a handball. It was a handball. You know, it it was a handball. And watching the game alongside the one I was at. I thought the referee in the main did very, very well. You know, mm-hmm. he, he allowed the game to flow as much as it could. There were a number of times where a certain individual threw himself to the ground, which he didn't buy. He didn't buy the bait um, and he made the correct decisions.
0: So It's such a difficult decision. You know, I was watching on a big screen uh, the uh, the game and um, and I've got to be honest I was fooled the first penalty shout for Wrexham uh, in our WhatsApp group I was saying to you he actually was fouled and, da, 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 and then I saw another angle at half time and I realised there was virtually no contact from Cameron at all certainly not contact that would have propelled uh, Mullin backwards with the force that he went down so Listen, I don't want to dwell on that because I don't want to, you know, detract from what was a man of the match performance from Paul Mullin. But I think we've talked about the same two elements of his game uh, all season his brilliant work rate and terrific finishing, um, you know, and uh, him being very, very good at at, at getting the best out of uh, officials and decisions normally. Anyway, let's get to the moment. Um, 96th minute. And of course, Langstaff, 41 goals he may have but he doesn't take Notts County's penalties. Ruben Rodriguez does. So wouldn't you have thought that if if Langstaff was the one involved in the incident, Langstaff um, is on such a magnificent high, that perhaps he would be given the penalty on this occasion. But no, unluckily for Kedwin Scott, he was. Uh, and what followed, of course, was a magnificent save uh, from Ben Foster. Yeah. um,
1: And as you said at the top of the show, if they couldn't write a script, uh, you know, Ben Foster coming back, his boyhood club that he was at before coming back. There were criticisms of him in the week uh, again on Friday because a couple of people felt that the goals that Millie Alley scored, he should have done better with. Um, But what a way to bounce back. What a way to bounce back, you know, making a, Mm. a big save at the end. I must say on that, I am surprised Kedwin Scott took it. I really am. Um, If I'd have been picking, you know, Kevin Scott's a very good player, but if I was picking somebody at that moment that I would have wanted on it to take it, in a big pressure moment like that, I wouldn't have picked Kevin Scott. Um, But it was a a good save, um, one-handed save,
0: and it could well be the the saves that wins them the title. It could well be, and... At the moment I saw it, I suggested, oh, there's our pod title, single-handed. And then I watched it back. And his first hand that gets to it actually stops and deflects the ball. But I think it deflects in such a way that it's still going to go into the goal. And then his other hand makes contact with it and it goes away. So all his instincts, everything he's ever been taught and learned came to fruition in that moment. He was very modest afterwards. He said, you know, he said, what are you thinking? He said, well, just pick a side, and go for it. And if it goes to side, you might save it. Um, Dickie, uh, I wanted to just come to you on this one. You didn't see the game as far as I know, but uh, we'll have heard about things from afar. Um, you are a writer, aren't you? A bit like to Joe with his blogging. You're, you're a writer. You write match reports week in, week out. Um, you'd have had some fun writing that match report, wouldn't you?
2: Yeah, if they'd have said to me 400 words, just, yeah, not possible. Um, I mean, even just from my position, I was sat in um, in the press box at Telford watching our game this afternoon. But we we were aware of what was going on. We were following it on flash scores. As you said, it sounded fairly, not, not low-key, but, you know, there the weren't fireworks early on, as we might have expected. That goal just on the stroke of half-time and then an, a crazy second half, you know, four goals, penalty save. Um Yeah, I I would have really enjoyed that one for sure. But, you know, and so many storylines running through it, like you say about Foster, Joe's quite right there. There were some people saying, you know, and it was coming from fans of other teams. It was, you know, Wrexham have taken a gamble on Foster because of his social media and because of his, you know, cycling goalkeeper thing. And, um, you know, it might cost them because they were, you know, holding him responsible for some of the goals at Halifax. Well, that's the thing about being a goalkeeper, isn't it? You know, you can you can be zero one day, but you can be hero of the next. And hero today certainly is.
0: He certainly is. Uh, it's it, it certainly lived up to billing uh, and expectation. Uh, in terms of the title race then, it now rights the wrong for Wrexham of their defeat at Halifax on Friday. And of course, they're back in the situation they were in before now, but two games further down the road. So, Um, By my calculations, if they get two wins and a draw from their last four games, they will win the title. Uh, Notts County, of course, have only got three games left, haven't they? So uh, they can get a maximum of uh, 109 points now and Wrexham are on 103 already. Um, Joe, I guess it's a pretty obvious one, this, but I asked you after Friday's game if it had swung back a little bit in Notts County's favour and you agreed. But this is the biggest swing of all now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely, with so little games left, um and a big win. Uh three points ahead with a game in hand and I would I would back Wrexham from this point to win the league. Um, you know, we, we flip flip flop around as, you know, Notts County will win it, Wrexham will win it, but my money would be on Wrexham now, and you'd you'd have to say that, you know, they've got some easier games. Yeovil, I think their next one. Um, and they've got Torquay as well, um, who even though they're upturn in, in fortunes as we'll come on to On the final day, if they need something on the final day, they'll probably go and get it. Um, So, yeah, I would back them, but you never know.
0: You never know. They've got to play. I'm going to double check, but I think I want to say Wood and Bromley in their remaining games. Let's just uh, get that. Sorry?
1: Definitely Wood, from memory.
0: Yeah, here we go. Might be Woking. Oh, no, it's Barnet. Barnet. So, there we go. Barnet. Um, Barnet uh, away to Barnet, at home to Yeovil, at home to Borehamwood, and away to Torquay United. Uh, that's Wrexham's remaining fixtures. Uh, and Notts County they play at home to Woking, who will come on to very shortly, away to Maidstone, and then at home to York City, who may still need something. They uh, look as if they're um, in that group of teams that are almost safe, but probably just need a. Another win somewhere to guarantee it. Um, Any other points, boys, on the wrexham Knots game that you want to bring up? Or should we move on to uh, some more congratulations that are due?
2: I think the only thing I would say about it is I I did see a photograph before the game um, and it was Paul Mullin with Rob McElhenney on the day and it said something about, you know, big games require big players. Um, And I was in slightly two minds about it because it was a part of me... I'll be honest that thought i i I didn't know if it was necessarily the right thing to be doing that stuff before the game, you know you'd, you know having need to keep focused and not be you know doing those kind of things, but you know it's it all worked out great in the end, hasn't it um uh, it is great that the owners were there to see it um, which they were always going to be weren't they um and it, and I suppose it's just a thing about the the pressure that, that players at Wrexham play under with the documentary and with the Hollywood owners and things like that. They must everybody's waiting for them to fail. Everybody outside of North Wales is waiting for Wrexham to fail and they didn't. And that says an awful lot about the character that they've got there. Um you you do genuinely feel it's in their hands now.
0: Yeah and my final point on the game is Ben Foster, unlikely you'll be listening, but uh, we look forward to seeing the Cycling GK podcast for this one of course but before that the one uh, Halifax away will be out won't it right no sign of that one on YouTube when I looked earlier on so uh, um, I love the idea I absolutely love the idea but I think it's got to highlight the the rough and the smooth doesn't it so uh, uh, it wasn't it wasn't a great day for, for, for Wrexham and Foster on Friday but they've certainly bounced back in a, a terrific way and Foster doing uh, you know Foster and Mullin between them, uh, you know, really delivering for their team today. Right, those additional congratulations we need to give. I don't know who we're going to give them to because we need to give them to Woking because they have qualified for the playoffs, not only with uh, whatever it is for them, four or five games to go, but um, for the first time in the club's history. So fantastic. But uh, poor old Flo Pollock for the BBC. She tried to deliver those congratulations to Darren Saal. And he didn't want him. Um, she said, you qualified for the playoffs. First time in the club's history. How do you feel? He said, just pretty disappointed with our performance, really, today. They drew one all, of course, with Southend. And Darren Sal is no mug, is he? He doesn't want roking, patting themselves on the back at this stage and then going off the boil over the next couple of weeks. He wants to keep them. Um, purring as they have been for most of the season so um, ultimately that one ended one all. it was uh, a a goal for Marcus Dacus just at the beginning of the second half that was quickly uh, equalised by Jack Bridge and that's how the uh, the scoring ended on the day Uh, continues the improved form for Southend back-to-back wins and then a point away at Woking's not to be uh, sniffed at but uh, Joe any thoughts uh, on Woking? I have to doff my cap to you on this one You said to me at the beginning of the season when I wasn't sure, Darren Sahl is a very good manager. And, uh, well, there's the evidence.
1: Yeah, um, and well done to Darren Sahl. I would say he has been backed well, but that doesn't all necessarily translate into success. But he's done really well. Um, And that's just like Darren Sahl's answer, um, because he would have known exactly what was happening at the Chigwell Construction Stadium. The fact that Chesterfield won. Um, and close the gap on Woking. Um, and the focus for Darren Salis he knew that they would be in the playoffs at this point, but it's just about tying up third place. Um, especially with Woking, uh, sorry, Notts County to come. Um, that would have been his immediate view, but well done to, to Woking. Um, a good season. And, uh, yeah, hopefully they can, uh, have a, a good go at the playoffs.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the Chigwell Construction Stadium. That's where Chesterfield went and won by one goal to to nil. Uh, Mandeville, of course, uh, on Friday put uh, Chesterfield ahead, but they went on to lose 3-1 to York. On this occasion, his 70th-minute goal was unanswered. Uh, and that pretty much puts the final uh, nail in Dagenham and Redbridge's uh, playoff ambitions for this season. So they have failed to meet their target. Of course, they've changed their manager. And Ben Stravins will get the opportunity, quite rightly, to, to rebuild that side for next season. But a very good response from Chesterfield. And and they'll be particularly pleased, won't they, to have gone on the travels to a difficult place to go, Dagenham, uh, get all three points and then get back into the change rooms and find that Woking had only got the one point against uh, Southend.
1: Yeah, and, and more so for the fact that they had to bounce back after losing to York. Um, you know, to to go away from home, have a clean sheet and win after that defeat. Um, it would be pleasing for Paul Cook. Um, for him, it will just be about trying to put that consistency together because they have struggled with that um, and particularly at home they've struggled. So, yes, a good win, um, but they need to follow it up now if they're going to clinch that third spot.
0: As for the rest of the battle for the playoffs, well, we didn't learn a lot really because the team's now in 5th, 6th, 7th, Eighth and ninth place all drew on Bank Holiday uh, Monday. Uh, Barnet they were held nil nil at Maidstone, which would have been slightly frustrating for them, but probably less so once they saw the other results beneath them. But credit there to already relegated Maidstone, um, and I think George Elakobi will be absolutely delighted with that uh, that clean sheet against Barnet.
1: Yeah, well, they haven't had many clean sheets, um, so they'll be really pleased for one, especially against the Barnett side, who, although they have had struggles of late, um, are a good side. Um, and that's sort of a vindication for Elikobi because even though they have struggled um, and they haven't struggled to pick up results, some of the Maidstone fans I speak to have felt that they have the performances have improved um, and they have looked more solid. Um, so that will be a bit of a, a dot for the cap to 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 Ella Kobe for them to...
0: To keep Barnet to a point. Yep, yeah, Borehamwood and Bromley met and drew one all, uh, a goal each within two minutes. Uh, Cheek putting in uh, Bromley ahead, and and Love equalising for Borehamwood. Uh, these goals in the twenty fourth and twenty sixth minute. I guess the draw probably suits Borehamwood more because they're already in the playoff position on sixty six points. Bromley are just outside on sixty three. And then Eastleigh, who started the day in the playoff positions, they finished them in the playoff positions too. But uh, despite a really good start against uh, my side, Aldershot, 2 0 up in the first half and 3 1 up, they were pegged back. And uh, I have to say, of course, that was the other game I was keeping an eye on. I wasn't actually there and commentating on it today. Um, and a performance of real grit and character from the shots to uh, stay in that game and come back. Um, and also good news for Aldershot that. Uh, um, Jack Barham, and uh, despite being called Jack Barton today by the commentary team, Jack Barham and uh, Tarvin Campbell both got their first goals for all uh, just to even things up and make sure it's nice and fair. Charlie Carter, Cissé and Jerry McDonough got the goals for Eastleigh. Uh, Corey Jordan got shot's other goal. Um, it sounds like an absolute thriller. I don't think it particularly was, but six goals and... Uh, yeah, I don't really quite know what to make of that. Obviously, we're going to come on to the bottom end of the table shortly, Joe. But um, if we forget other games, before a ball was kicked today, Aldershot, of course, would have shook your hand on a point at eastley wouldn't
1: they?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know,
1: I think after the disappointment of feeling that they should have got three against Yeovil. The fact that they went to a team in and around the playoffs to get a draw um, is a good result. Um, and especially, you know, it's a very un like performance in that Eastley had been very good defensively um, and Oldershot managed to go there and score three times. So that's, uh, you know, credit to Oldershot, the fact that they were able to go there and cut Eastley open as well as it looks like they did um, on paper. So, yeah, a good a good point. Another point for, for Tommy Widrington. Um, and, yeah, they've just got to keep following that up now.
0: Yeah. It's one of those, un, it's an unbeaten start for Tommy Widrington. Two draws. But, uh, of course, uh, uh, yeah, Luke Edwards uh, dropped me a little comment to say that uh, it's very unlikely to shot to score three. Actually, Luke, I think you're you're thinking about, the last few seasons of Aldershot when they've really struggled to score goals. They haven't this season. I think when I last looked, they were 10th or 11th highest scorers in the division. But uh, sadly, they've not been able to keep them out of their goal as well. Um, well
1: now, One thing I would add on that quickly, yeah. just Rob, is um, good to see Barham on the score sheet, obviously said his first goal. I have seen quite a few King's Limbs fans say that Tommy Woodrington only likes to play with target men. Um, and obviously, Jack Barham was brought in before Tommy Widgerton was appointed manager. Who's not, obviously, he's not a target man, so that will give him a little bit of confidence and hopefully he can get himself into Widgenson's books for, for next
0: season. Yeah, absolutely. And he is signed on for next season, Jack Barham. Um, I, I'm going to flip it round and I really hope that Audishot do sign a target man because we've missed one terribly badly since Young uh, moved on to Dagenham. But that ship, of course, has sailed. Now... If there's three kind of headlines, if you like, for this weekend's uh, podcast um, in the National League anyway, it would be the wow factor of the game between Wrexham and Notts County. The congratulations to Woking for making the playoffs. And then, sadly, it's commiserations to Scunthorpe United, who uh, lost again at home to Oldham, 2-0. Sambu and Green with the goals there. Um, And perhaps come to you on this one, um, Dickie. Um, Sad to see Scunthorpe doing something that uh, I think uh, a couple of clubs have done from the north, haven't they? When they've come down to uh, the National League, from the Football League, gone down again.
2: Yeah, they have. I think
0: York City was
2: possibly the last team to do it and that they went straight through. They, they had a heartbreak on the last day of the season. Um, I think it's been a little clearer that Scunthorpe were going to be making that journey Um we've known that for a few weeks now i think and and perhaps even with the appointment of jimmy dean we've thought that maybe they're they're looking to the future and accepting that they may well, might well go down but they will have a manager who knows national league north who can help them get back up um yeah they had to win today to stand any chance um and they didn't and and it's yeah through the trapdoor now for Scunthorpe. I think there's a huge amount of sympathy out there for them because I think a lot of people can um see that, you know, what's gone on at the club with the ownership um is essentially the reason they are where they are. Um but the, you know we can't do anything about that now Scunthorpe now face that task of of digging themselves out of, of National League North. And that won't be an easy task because you know, teams at that level will see Scunthorpe as a scalp because of where they've been in recent seasons. I think they're in the championship twelve or thirteen seasons ago. So to drop through the number of divisions they have in that amount of time is quite a fall from grace. Um but they will still be seen as a big fish. I've already seen somebody saying Scunthorpe will be red hot favourites to go back up. I'm not quite sure where they were getting that from to be perfectly honest. Um I think they will find it well, they could find it hard. Um, I think they will find it harder, um, as any team does that goes down, if they don't quickly sort of realise that they are where they are for a reason um, and don't, you know, start looking around thinking, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? You need to accept that those are your surroundings and, and work on a plan of getting out of there as fast as possible.
0: You mentioned there, Dickie, that Scum thought we were in the Championship not too many seasons ago, which links us nicely into another club who are not down yet, but after just one point from six um, against teams in the bottom eight uh, over the bank holiday weekend, I think there's a feeling that it's almost done now for Yeovil. They lost at home at Hewish Park, Joe, today to in Wanderers. You were there. Tell us a little bit about the game and uh, also who you caught up with afterwards.
1: Yeah, um disappointing day for Yeovil, a very good afternoon in the end uh, for Dorking, perhaps not the performance. Um, I spoke to Mark White after the game and he was very honest. He said the performance was dreadful. Um, He said it wasn't a classic, um, but they got the win. Um, And that's sort of been the tale of the tune for Yeovil all season. You know, competitive, ultimately they just fall short. They just miss that quality. Um, it was a tough afternoon, very windy at Hewish Park, um, and Jason Pryor brought back into the squad by Mark White earlier in the season. He was the main man. He led the line very, very well for Dorking, and he scored the all-important goal for them to win it. Um, and, yeah, it looks like Yovel um, are now down. Um, you would have to say playing your older shot and Dorking, Um, over Easter, they'd have seen that as two good opportunities to get something from that to to boost their chances Um, but ultimately, I think there's a resigned feel about Hewish Park today, certainly uh, speaking to Sheridan um, and those others at Yeovil, they all seem to think now that that is it and even Mark White after the game said that's probably put the nail in the coffin for Yeovil now Um,
0: Yeah, I suspect so um, as well I suspect so as well. But just let's be clear on one thing. Mathematically, they're certainly far from down Yeovil. Uh, They've got four games left. They're six points behind 20th position, the first position of safety. So they're going to have to put a minimum of seven and and probably a maximum, I would imagine, the full maximum of 12, four wins out of four, to have any chance, certainly three wins and a draw to give themselves any chance. You know, if you look at how, how long ago it was that, you have to go back before Yeovil's last three wins. It looks very unlikely.
1: Yeah. After the game, I spoke to Mark White and the match winner Jason Pryor on a good afternoon for Dorking. A good win, but perhaps a sense, perhaps not the best performance.
3: Nah, weren't vintage. I thought both sides looked like uh, quite tired. Um, I think this time of year, the games mount up a bit, especially over the weekend. So most teams have played three, four games in maybe 10, 12 days. I thought there was a bit of that today and a strong wind and also maybe a bit of nerves about because both teams knew it wasn't a the game they could afford to lose. And were
1: you perhaps a little bit disappointed after half time the fact you Yeovil were down to 10 men and the, the feeling was that they didn't actually look like the team that had 10 men? <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think they played it really well. They they played it in a way where they gambled a little bit because, obviously, it, it, it was any other day of the week. If it's halfway through the season, you know, it's just a low block. It's sitting in the game. It's take your chances. But, you know, Yeovil needed the points. Do you know what I mean? And... Um, you know, so I thought I was quite impressed with the fact they went for it but I thought I, do, I honestly think the game was spoiled really by the official. if I'm honest with you I think he set the tone he managed to upset both benches, both sets of players and um, which is disappointing um, but from our point of view all we could do is win and I, the, go on to the officials he was officiating
1: at Talk easy which I was at the weekend and I thought he was poor again poor today, couple of really poor decisions I thought <laughs>
3: Yeah, really poor, mate. But there's just no accountability, no ownership. Yeah. What they're doing, is, I think in their, their answer to everything is to book managers. That's their answer to everything. Book managers, send managers off. It's like, it's a hierarchy. It's like, you know, it's an us and them. They don't own the game. Officials do not own football. Football owns football. And top down, the, the minute football gets back hold of the laws and officiating and, and wrestles it out of the hands of these people that are ruining it from the top down, the better. Nothing personal against the guy today but he, you know he, he doesn't give an absolute stonewall penalty first half um he gives small fouls all over the pitch on yellow card then doesn't give a stonewall penalty then he gives a, a second yellow which in the grand scheme of good officiating for joe he probably gives him one last warning um upset both benches trigger happy cards um and Zero ownership, you know, so uh, football's not in a great place with officials. And finally, just you talked earlier in the season about how
1: you had to bring in some players to make the difference. And two players I thought were brilliant, obviously, prior to the match winner, but I thought Tony Craig was absolutely outstanding. At the yeah, yeah,
3: I mean, he's not bad, mate. For 37, I mean, when you get to that age, people just talk about your age, don't they? But he he plays two games a week and he's just fresh as the daisy, don't know how he's played. Um, what we really needed it. our defensive record was abysmal. Um, I stuck with a lot of boys here last year. They had lots of chances, but Tony's come in. Obviously, good defender and a, and a big leader. You know, 700 football league appearances, God knows how many championship ones in that as well. So, you know, for us, that's you know that's as good as we can do. Really, it's sort of a small club to get someone like Tony Craig. And that, that was actually the effect he had in the second
1: half, giving Dan Lincoln a telling off for the fact he was going over to the fans <laughs> and celebrating with yeah. a couple of minutes to go. That's
3: the impact he's had on the changing room. Yeah, it's hard to get um, It's hard to get those leaders and those type of players in football these days. It's not easy. And Jovan have got it with Josh Staunton. And they're normally, you know, single single digits, you know what I mean? But, yeah, we're lucky. Tony's, we've, we've kept, you know, three, four clean sheets, which, you know, I've never heard of. Not in, not in any season, let alone this season. It's not really what we do. It's not what we're known for. So, a bit boring as well, to be fair. But it is what it is. We've got the points. So, Jace
1: with the match winner um, was it a game where it was only going to take one goal to win
4: it yeah I think so probably the, the conditions didn't lend themselves sort of free-flowing attacking football uh, I think <clears throat> probably showed in the second half when they were down to ten men we thought we'd probably come out and dominate the game it just wasn't the case the pitch wasn't bad to be fair but it was just it was just so lively with the, with the wind <coughs> and it's, it's, it's tricky to play so yeah i think it was a tight game and it's just going to boil down to who got that one chance
1: and did it was it a game where obviously mark talked about what an effect you'd have coming back into this team and was it a game where you actually made a bit of a difference in holding it up in the wind and giving a platform
4: uh yeah obviously i'll try this being the size I am and playing up front that's what I try to do sort of week in week out use my physicality and help the team get up the pitch a lot but um, it's been the last sort of month or so which you can see with the continuity of the starting 11 it's been a real sort of effort you know the whole team and it's been, it's been uh, obviously you can see the big upturn in results and clean sheets that we've had
1: and given where you overline the league and where you are in the league the fact that it was a win does that feel like a really big win?
4: oh yeah it's massive I think it was it was obviously pretty much do or die for them. So it, it sort of just knocks one, one more team out of the picture and it's looking like it's going to just boil down to that last space now. So, uh, yeah, so it was a massive game and uh, it's was crucial that got the win.
0: That was Mark White and Jason Pryor. They've found a way now, Dorking, haven't they? Four clean sheets in five. Uh, Mark always said that they were sightseeing this season, but they're up to 49 points now. They're going to take some catching along with a few other sides up there. But the one team that literally are in (laughs) on flames, as they say, at the moment, coming from absolutely nowhere, Joe Torquay United, with four straight wins, and they put the fear of God up of uh, Aldershot Town, uh, who they're just two points behind now with four games left for both clubs. Um, How's he done it? (laughs) How has he brought this uh, change about? And most importantly. Do you think Torquay will stay up?
1: Well, I think, you know, everyone keeps telling me that they were always going to stay up with Gary Johnson and that it was only a matter of time. So I don't think it should come as a surprise to everyone that we're in the position we are. I think, you know, we have been the benefactor of the fact that we have played four, you know, I'm going to say it, four very poor teams in the last four games. Certainly, the, when they've played us, they have been very poor. Scunthorpe, obviously, you know, they seem to lose every game at the moment. Eastley on the road are a very, very different proposition to what they are at home. And then today and against Bournemouth, it sounded as if that we actually didn't play very well today, Torquay, but the ball wasn't on the floor a lot. And when we had a chance, we took it. Um, Frank Newbell, um, who... By all records, was supposedly going to Yeovil um, and he scored two goals, played very well for Torquay, led the line uh, and scored two goals. And yeah, it looks like we've been able to bring in a couple of players that, you know, have added that little bit of what we're missing. Little bit of a couple, character. can I just...
0: Can I, can I just say a couple more players? <laughs> I'm wondering if Torquay are actually going to go past the Oldhams, etc., and Altingham's of the world, um, with the number of players they've used over the course of the season. But to be fair, though, we said, didn't we, Gary Johnson will leave no stone unturned. He'll just keep tweaking it and changing it until they start to find a winning formula. Let's have a little look because, um, incidentally, by the way, it didn't just when they got a chance took it. They did it three times. Uh, Aaron Jarvis put them ahead. Uh, And Frank Nubla, as you say, got a double. Sean McCloskey, sorry, got one back with 14 minutes to go for Maidenhead, who uh, would appear to be that team in mid-table that got themselves safe and uh, halfway on the beach already. Uh, But they're not quite mathematically safe. They're one of a number of teams on 49 points. Um, I just got to say, Joe, and I mentioned it to you in the WhatsApp group earlier, realistic, if we say that to all intents and purposes, Yeovil are going to struggle to stay up now, and a lot of those teams, just above Torquay and Aldershot, are almost safe. Another win will certainly get them safe. Um, it's it's down to my team and your team now. I, I I feel very strongly about this. One of our two teams is staying up, and the other one's going down. Would you concur?
1: Um, I I hope so. I hope that's the case. Um, I hope that we've still got a chance. I think it's very much in York's hands um, because York York's next two fixtures. They've got to play at Torquay on Saturday, and then they've got a trip, or they've got they're playing at home the week after against Aldershot. So the fixtures couldn't have come at any better time for York. Um, Mm. But yeah, I I think if I had to be a betting man, I still think Torquay will go down. You know, I I still think that. Um, I think York will beat Aldershot at home, Um, and. I think Aldershot will probably get a win between
0: now and the end of the season. Um, and-, right. and that'll probably be next Saturday, um, if there's going to be one. The most likely one is at home to Scunthorpe who are already relegated. But they become, exactly. as only Dickie knows too well with Telford, that dangerous opposition. The shackles are off and they can go and play freely next week. So we'll see. Let's not debate it anymore. We need to round up the uh, National League very shortly. Uh, another mention for Gateshead, whose winning run goes on. Uh, a thirty-third minute goal from who else but Marcus Dinanga? Got all three points. Ironically, uh, at Moss Lane, it was against Altrincham. Quick word from Dickie on the man Dinanga done it again.
2: Yep, the bear as he's been nicknamed um, in Gateshead. Hence, if you see his goal celebration on Twitter, you will see the uh, the claws out. Yes, feed the bear and he will score. Apparently, is uh, is what's been attached to Marcus and. I think that's his third goal in a week after a couple uh, last Tuesday night against uh, Yeovil. I'm sure you've enjoyed that one. I don't think there was necessarily any bad blood in his departure from Alteringham, just a case of, of a, a lack of faith from Phil Parkinson in not playing him consistently. It looks like he will get played consistently by Mike Williamson, and Gateshead should see the benefits of that. Yeah,
0: and final mention from the National League. I'm- we, we apologise to Halifax Town fans, FC Halifax Town, because that was a magnificent 3-0 away win on the road. But uh, we covered you well, of course, in Friday's pod, where not only did we highlight that victory over Wrexham, but we named our podcast after you. If you didn't hear that or see that, go check it out. Um, but, yeah, another goal for Millie Alley uh, and a couple from uh, Manny Di as well. Uh, a really good win for Halifax at York City who are another one of those teams on 49 points that probably will feel more comfortable when they eke out one more win. Right, we're going to take a look at the National League North now. And I tell you what, there's a little subplot going on here as well, isn't it? When Tommy Widrington left Kings Lynn, it looked like the title race was over. But no, not at all. Kings Lynn back-to-back wins and filed are in the quicksand at the moment, aren't they, Dickie? Tell us all about the battle at the top, and uh, do we have new leaders?
2: We do have new leaders, yeah. If we think things have been clarified at the top of the National League somewhat today, then they've just got murkier in the National League North because, as you say there, back-to-back defeats over the weekend for Fylde and back-to-back wins for Kings Lynn have changed the picture um, considerably. Foiled. Losing 2 0 at home to Kidderminster Harriers today. Uh, Kidderminster Harriers side who do perform better away from home than they do at home. Two goals from them from Amari Morgan Smith in the third and the 35th minute um, did the trick for them. And then Kings Lynn taking advantage of that slip. And this is a really, really good result as well because they were away to an Alfredton Town side who've just snuck into the playoffs were looking to consolidate their position in there and to go and win 2-0 away after town is no mean feat whatsoever. Two goals, both from Josh Coulson, their experienced centre-half, um, one in each half in the 27th and the 77th minute. And yeah, that that the, the Tommy Widrington subplot, it, as you mentioned there, I mean, a further to that one, Tommy Widrington's son, Theo is still playing in midfield for King's He started today. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility. They're not just there could be a swapping over between the two clubs that, that dad's exchanged, but but Sun could be passing farther on the way. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's a fascinating one. And 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 Foyle still do have a game in hand. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, they had a five-point lead and two games in hand. And I was looking at that thinking, well, look, potentially we're looking at an 11-point lead. Um- If I'll win their game in hand, I think their lead will only be two points because of three big losses recently. Um, I say back to back over the weekend, they lost at home to Blythe Spartans a couple of weeks ago as well in a real shock. Um, And yeah, all of a sudden, Fylde are looking decidedly nervous. And Kingsley, who I think people might have thought, well, that's perhaps them done for because Tommy Woodrington's gone. They look to have been galvanised by it.
0: They absolutely do, don't they? Uh, Congratulations to Kings Lynn on hitting the top of the tree. Uh, If you remember when they came up a couple of seasons ago, of course, they didn't actually win the division, did they? They were promoted on uh, points per game. So uh, a little bit of unfinished business there for them. And uh, they've certainly got momentum on their side now. Just below them in a league of their own, and they have been for a couple of weeks now, Chester. Um, They're out of the title race, um, but... uh, They're absolutely bang on uh, in the playoffs and uh, for third place as well. They've got an 11-point lead, haven't they, Dickie? How did Chester get on on Monday?
2: Chester, they had a a 2-1 win um, away at Southport. Benefited from the fact that Southport had Chris Doyle sent off in the 23rd minute. Um, By all accounts... Nobody in the ground was expecting a red card to be shown for for the the, the challenge that that saw him dismissed, um, but he was dismissed. Uh, it was nil nil at half time, but then Elliot Whitehouse, um, who's on loan to Chester from Scunthorpe, I believe, he scored it in the 49th minute. Uh, Nile Watson, son of manager Liam, equalised for Southport in the 56. But Kurt Willoughby, um, what a big signing he's been for Chester he must be pushing up towards 20 goals this season he got the winner in the 63rd minute and you think about Chester's position they they are almost marooned in third they're probably not going to get any higher than third but they're not going to get any lower um, so they almost know where they're going to be when it comes to the playoffs they're going to miss the first round of those but Callum McIntyre will be keen to see his side keep the momentum going and they've kept the momentum going today with that win.
0: They certainly have. And then we've got this rather bizarre situation that's really going to make for some interesting games over the last few weeks of the season. But from fourth down to twelfth, there are just six points in it. And those teams, we'll come to them in a moment, on 60 points, three of them in 10th, 11th and 12th. If any of those three go and get three wins to finish the season, um, and, and, and one of those three's actually got five games left, you know, they're all still in, with a shout, an outside shout, some of those. But uh, as we look at the other teams that are currently in the playoff places, Dickie, they are namely Brackley, Darlington and Gloucester. I know you saw one of them at first hand today. Just guide us through their matches.
2: Yeah, I did. Um, I mean, one of the, the, probably the, the big one there is Scarborough against Chorley today with Chorley just outside the playoffs and Scarborough in them, but falling. Um, and I think Scarborough had actually gone outside of the playoffs um, over the weekend but they're back in today by courtesy of a, a really impressive 3-2 win away at Chorley Adam Blakeman had Chorley into the lead Kieran Wilegi equalised um, by the 10th minute so two goals in the first 10 minutes Jack Sampson then put Chorley into the lead 2-1 up at half time but two goals from Danny Greenfield eight minutes apart in the second half he was a gateshead um, couldn't really break into their side that that won the title last year in National League North moved on to Spenny Moore and saw. He- Subsequently moved on to Scarborough and he scored two really, really important goals for them today. Um, I saw Gloucester City today. Uh, now, Gloucester City had a really impressive 4-0 win um, at Telford today. Sean Spence with a hat-trick. Um, the first goal after I think it was 38 seconds on my watch. Um, an awful start for Telford. And they they recovered for about half an hour or so. But then Spence scored two more in space of about five ten minutes or so before half time. He had the match ball claim by half time. Um Gloucester didn't really need to do an awful lot more by by then. Um Don McHale, he was keen for a goal on his return to Telford, didn't get one, but the chap who came on um for him, JJ Hooper, a substitute in the second half, scored the fourth goal. And yeah, the pretty wretched day for Telford really. They just weren't at it. Kevin Wilkin very unhappy. But Steve King um cheered off the field to the chance of Kingies at the wheel by the Gloucester fans, who must be feeling pretty good about their chances if they can get into the playoffs, I would say.
0: Yeah, no, I was just going to say, the only thing, they're in the the final playoff position and they've just got the three games left, so they're going to need to keep gathering uh, points, uh, probably need at least another five to make sure that they do get in the playoffs in those final three games. And then just outside, we had a little bit of uh, communication from an Alfreton Town fan, didn't we, this week, to say would we feature them a little bit more and would we go and watch them? Well, of course, a lot of us are tied to being at certain games and certain grounds, but uh, if Alfredton do make the playoffs, hopefully we'll have eyes on that. They're in eighth place. How did they get on, uh, Dickie?
2: Yeah um we mentioned Alfredton's, uh defeat because they were the team that was defeated by Kingsley in town. Of course um, yeah
0: sorry my mistake. Yeah
2: that's that's okay. Uh, what I should mention Brackley Town Brackley Town are in the playoff positions um but uh, their manager Roger Johnson was dismissed on Saturday uh, as a consequence of it, not just the defeat by Telford on on good Friday which wouldn't have helped um the fact that some Brackley fans were chanting for Kevin Wilkins' Red and White Army. Um, and Their former manager there with Telford probably didn't help. But, yeah, one win and 11 ultimately uh, cost Roger Johnson his job. Gareth Dean, uh, the Brackley Central defender, he's injured, can't play for the rest of the season, but he's agreed to take on the role just for the last few games, just to see them through. He's been very clear that he doesn't want the job, um, thinks it's too soon for him in his career. He almost got off to a a, a terrific start with it today. Brackley, um, they had uh, the lead away at Hereford, um, but yeah, ultimately they weren't able to hold on to it. Callumstead gave them a seventh-minute lead. Two Ryan Lloyd goals then replied for Hereford, and they were two and up by half-time. But Sam Smart, um, he equalised in the 56th minute, and Gareth Dean. Have to be content with a point, but uh, yeah, he's very much hoping that he can just rally those bracket players that he knows so well, to keep them in the playoff positions.
0: Yeah, and uh, another team, the other team we mentioned just briefly uh, that had to be content with the point today in the playoff positions was Darlington, who were held to all at home by Bradford Park Avenue, who uh, uh, led until, uh, well, midway through the second half, didn't they, in that one?
2: Yeah, this was more of a surprise, and, and this is a, 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 this would be a big di- disappointment for Darlington. They've not been in great form. They would have seen a home game against Bradford Park Avenue as a chance to remedy that and get three points on the board. Started off well enough. Kane Felix got them. Uh, into the lead in the sixth minute, but then two goals from Will Longbottom in the 32nd and the 40th minute had Bradford ahead. One of those was a penalty. It took a Nathan Newell goal in the 56th minute to bring Darlington level, but they couldn't do any more than that and they had to be content with a point.
0: Outside of those playoff positions, two sides that did their chances no harm at all on uh, Bank Holiday Monday were um, Buxton and Curzon Ashton. Both had home games. And both saw off notable opposition. Buxton beat Boston 1-0 and Curzon beat Spennymoor Town 1-0, which means that uh, our friend Glenn Taylor didn't get on the score sheet today.
2: No, not today. No, Buxton, got they they managed to get back on the horse uh, that threw them off on on, on Good Friday. They lost their long unbeaten run on Good Friday. But yeah, a goal from Connor Kirby got them the points over Boston United today um, at, at the Silverlands. Boston may be slacking, slackening off a little bit. I think they're safe now. Uh, Spennymore, they weren't able to follow up their 1-0 or their 2-1 win over Foiled. Um, which was such a big surprise on Friday. A Tom Pierce penalty giving Curzon and Ashton um, the, the points in that one in the 38th minute. And I think we said on and, and the podcast we did on Saturday about Curzon and Ashton and their chances of, of making the playoffs, uh, something that they've not done before in this division. It would certainly be an outstanding achievement for them. Just four points adrift, and they have got a couple of games in hand as well on some of the other teams around them. So don't rule them out.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Banbury and uh, Peterborough Sports, both in very healthy mid-table positions after coming up to the National League North this season. Uh, They both uh, got to draw. uh, Sorry, beg your pardon. They drew uh, nil-nil. Quick word from Joe here on uh, Peterborough Sports. Um, They've got to be content with their first season at National League and Banbury too, particularly given the loss of two or three key players.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Peterborough Sports losing their manager um, as well. That wouldn't have, uh, you know, wouldn't have helped them. And I think both will be happy, especially Banbury, for them to lose so many of their key players. Um, they lost uh, Chris Ray that went to uh, Southend and Jack Harding. Um, obviously, recently went to Solio Moores. Um, and I'm pretty sure there's one or two others as well. I think Morgan Roberts. Um, who left, who obviously is now at Aldershot. So, yeah, I think both teams, I said at the start of the season that I thought Peterborough Sports might be in and around the playoffs if they could keep one or two and add. Um, But yeah, I think as it happens, both will be happy um, and they'll look to to build next season uh, even further.
0: Yeah, minor point of detail. Morgan Roberts has gone back now. Uh, he, He left Aldershot two or three weeks ago. It didn't really happen for him there. Um, The big relegation battle this afternoon was supposed to be Farsley Celtic against Blythe Spartans, but that one uh, went the way of uh, the weather, didn't it, Dickie? And uh, sandwiched in between them, well, Leamington then had the opportunity to lift themselves out of the relegation zones, but uh, they failed to do so, didn't they?
2: Yeah, they did. The, the Farsley versus Blythe game, initially we'd been told it had gone back uh, to a 3.15 kickoff to enable further work to be done on the pitch. There was a lot of concern about the the, the goal mouth at one end. Um, and then subsequently we'd been told that the game had been um abandoned or without even starting um is that a postponement is that an abandonment i'm not quite sure but yeah when once we saw the photographs of the goal mouth um it was pretty clear why that game couldn't go ahead there'd been a cloud burst an hour or so before kickoff and and the pitch just hadn't been able to to to, to bear the weight of water that had fallen onto it so that's a massive game which has now had to be kicked into the long grass whether that will take place next Tuesday or the Tuesday after. I'm not quite sure, but, but yeah, the, the, both those teams are going to remain on tent hooks for that one. Lamington they did give them an opportunity to try and climb out of the bottom four, but they weren't able to take it. They lost 3-0 at Kettering, which is a bit of a thumping. Um, they weren't helped by the dismissal of Theo Street in the 35th minute, the Lamington defender. He was sent off um, from the resulting penalty. Uh, Jimmy Knowles... Uh, put Kettering 1-0 ahead. They were 1-0 up at halftime, and then they got subsequent goals in the second half from Lewis White and Sam Bennett. He's been a, a, a good scorer for them this season. Um, albeit They've not found the net very much recently. They really did it today when it mattered, and I think that might just be enough for Kettering, but yeah, Leamington's still deep in it.
0: Yeah, he's had a good weekend, Sam Bennett, because he's done pretty well in the Masters as well.
2: <laughs> there's a cyclist, Sam Bennett, as well, but he's not been quite so good lately.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Dickie, for rounding up the National League North superbly as ever. Stay with us, please. But uh, Joe, take centre stage now. We move on to the National League South. And if there's one thing that's really difficult in football, it's playing another game a few days after you've just been presented the, uh, uh, the championship trophy. But that won't have bothered Braintree Town, will it? When they took on Ebbsfleet on Monday.
1: No, um, really good result for Braintree. Um, they've had a really good season, um, and you know they'd have, that they, even though they're in the race for the playoffs, they'd have perhaps seen this as a bit of a free hit against Ebbsfleet. You know, just crowned as champions, um, and they played really well. 3-2 win for them. Took the lead um, after 14 minutes through Blair. Um, and then Ebsfleet pegged them back or even took the lead. Cool first, uh equalising and Chapman giving them the lead on the hour. Uh, in between that, uh, Dominic Polian obviously scored a hat-trick to get them the title uh, on Friday. Um, and he got sent off just before the half-hour mark. Um, and then Braintree hit back quickly through Alfie Pavey. Um, a player that's well known to us, been in higher leagues. And, uh, and then Clements, Bailey Clements, uh, I believe it's Bailey Clements, um, got a goal for Braintree to win it with 12 minutes left. And, you know, Braintree, they had this really good home record. Um, and for them to get after a couple of defeats at home recently, that would be a really, really pleasing result for Angelo Harrop. Um, and yeah. A really, really good result for them.
0: Below them, uh, Dartford got a 2-1 win at home to Dover to uh, strengthen their position in second place. Um, but they needed those three points because uh, just behind them, breathing down their neck, are Oxford City. And they took on Chelmsford in the uh, uh, the big battle of those teams in the playoffs on uh, Monday. And uh, tell us how that one went, Joe. Yeah, um Oxford City,
1: um, really, really good side this season, um, perhaps the better of the two attacking sides, and that paid true on Monday. Um it was actually Chelmsford that took the lead, Krasnicki from the penalty spot, um, and then Oxford managed to draw level themselves with another penalty. Uh Josh Ashby um from the penalty spot. Uh and Oxford managed to turn it around. Uh Zach McEchran, uh really tidy midfielder, really good midfielder at this level. He got them in front nine minutes later and then Oxford City made sure of it with 20 minutes to play. Sanderson uh, adding a third for them. Um, Just a point on Dartford. Obviously, we talked about them. uh, Goobin for them with Oxford breathing down their necks. Another goal for Harvey Bradbury, um, recently signed by Dartford from Dorchester, um, a player that's worked under Aledowson before it woke in. He scored on Friday and he got another goal uh, on Monday. And, uh, yeah, Two really good wins for the, both of those sides.
0: Yeah, the other two teams in the playoff positions were worthing. They were frustrated. Their game at Chessant was called off, but St Albans got the job done uh, at Concord, who played the first of those nine games re- we referred to uh, in Friday's pod. And yet again, it was Sean Jeffers with the winner. Uh, and uh, it was a very, very late one, wasn't it? 90 minutes. Uh, the winner came for St Albans, which robbed. Concord have a point that would have at least given them a little building block towards what they need to do to try and say in the National League South. But uh, as each game passes and another opportunity for points uh, disappear for Concord, it's looking more and more difficult for them. What about the teams just outside the playoff positions? Well, Eastbourne, Borough, have and Waterlooville, Farnborough and Tunbridge. Let's wrap up the games involving them now, Joe.
1: Yeah, well, the last of those uh, games, uh, pretty quick. Farnborough-Tombridge-Angels was postponed, waterlogged pitch. So those both didn't play uh, this afternoon. have and Waterlooville, again, failed to win under Jamie Collins. Uh, Danny Wright, a player that we've seen in the National League before, he got on the score sheet to give them the lead. But Evans got Hungerford level. He's been really good for Hungerford, uh, especially of late, even if they've struggled overall um an eastbourne a surprising one really um you know they would have gone to welling expecting to win and um, at least get something from it and welling um christy Patterson, released recently by maidstone he got the only goal of the game and two clean sheets for welling that's a bit of a bit of a surprise i haven't been able to say that much often or very often this season um so yeah, yeah. a really good ease for for welling um and a little bit of a disappointing one for all the teams Uh, on the edge of those playoffs.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, looking at things from the bottom up now, if you like, in the National League South, Concord then rooted to the bottom 31 points, just above them and in the relegation positions come Chesson, who are 21st. They didn't play, as we said. And then sandwiched in between those two sides are Weymouth and Hungerford Town. And uh, they had... uh, uh, decent fortune. They they came back with a point or three between them, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and uh, we said earlier um, in the National League, Gateshead, feed the bear and he will score in Denango. It was feed the bear, wish, and he will score for Weymouth. <laughs> and uh, he scored the only goal of the game. Uh, Tom Bearwish, Weymouth's captain, three minutes from time from the penalty spot. Uh, really big win for them. And another side that haven't had many clean sheets uh, this season. So that'll be a really good Result for Bobby Wilkinson's Wilkinson's side.
0: Yeah, and and, and Hungerford, of course, we mentioned briefly, they drew one all, didn't they, with Haven't? We mentioned that one a little bit earlier. A few other games just to tick off in the National League. Hampton and Richmond have been on a fantastic run of late. They've really pulled themselves to safety. Ten points clear now of the relegation positions. But uh, uh, despite taking the lead against Chippenham uh, through Dean Inman, the evergreen Dean Inman, Uh, on the half-hour mark. Second-half goals from Bray and Parker saw Chippenham come back to win that 1-2-1 and that lifts them up to uh, 14th place. And then also, uh, bang, mid-table, a Bath City who lost in that game we've already talked about at uh, Weymouth. A couple of other games, though. Um, Taunton and Slough, how did that one go? Um,
1: It was looking like it was heading for a draw. Um, but Taunton managed to get another big three points to move them a step closer. I think they're safe now, really, um, of the drop zone. Um, really good season for them after their promotion. Uh, they took the lead through, Craig, uh, through uh, Jake Wannall, uh scored the opener for them. Matty Lynch equalised in first half stoppage time for Slough. And as I say, it looked like it was heading for a draw, but Morgan popped up in stoppage time to get the winner for Taunton. A really good win for them. And talking of 90th-minute goals, it brings us on to the last game. Uh,
0: Hemel, heartbreak for was, Heartbreak for Hakan, right?
1: Yeah, it was looking like a really good win uh, for Dulwich. 1-0. They scored late themselves. Sanchez-Ming scored uh, in the 85th minute for Dulwich to give them... Was the it evening. a minger? It was a minger <laughs> in the end for, for Dullet. And, um, you know, Hayretton would have been very disappointed, you know, to, to go ahead so late on and not see it out. You know, th- those could be the sort of games where you drop a couple of points that season them relegated. Um, so, yeah, a, a good point in the end for Hamill. Uh, Charlie Hughes, formerly of Wealdstone, he scored the goal right at the end for them uh, to get them a, a share of the spoils.
0: All right, that pretty much wraps things up. Um, obviously, we're already on Monday. No games on Tuesday this week. But on Wednesday, Eastley take on uh, Gateshead at the Silver Lake uh, with an opportunity for them to strengthen their uh, playoff positions. But up against the Gateshead side who are in uh, a terrific form of late. There's a couple of games in the National League South on Thursday. Concord Rangers, of course, they'll be playing Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday for the rest of the season. They take on... Hungerford Town so both sides in desperate need of points there and Dartford play at home to Taunton Town as well so that pretty much racks things up but uh, um, in terms of teams that are going to be in the National League or the National League North or South next season we know a little bit more after this weekend's results Dickie don't we?
2: Yeah, we do. Um, We have uh, a team joining. Well, we've got two teams joining the National League North for next season. We spoke about Scunthorpe, who have um, done it coming in the, the opposite direction. But we must give our congratulations to South Shields. They've been knocking on the door for a number of years, but they've been crowned champions of the pitching in Northern Premier League today. And they'll be taking their place in National League North next season. So well done to them. My only disappointment is I won't be getting to see them.
0: Oh, absolutely you won't, will you? Um, I just want to give a little shout out to someone uh, who, of course, has managed at uh, National League level for many, many years, and he's been a real big supporter of this podcast. And 12 months ago, pretty much to the month or the week, uh, Neil Smith took over at Cray Wanderers in the uh, Isthmian division and managed to keep them up with uh, enough points in the last few games of the season. And uh, with back-to-back wins... Over the bank holiday weekend, they've nipped up into the fifth uh, position and the final playoff place in that division. So well done, Smarja. Keep up the good work there. Um, so that's it really for this week. Um, we'll be back, of course, again next week. We won't miss a week, listeners, don't you worry at all, as the the uh, um, season really comes to a head um, over uh, the rest of April. We'll be finishing uh, the season on the 29th of April this year. Feels a bit odd, boys, doesn't it? We've been, for one reason or another, finishing either way earlier than that or we've been finishing uh, end of May. But feels a bit more traditional, doesn't it? The season coming to an end in uh, April.
2: Indeed it does, yeah. Um, we've got playoffs, of course, to look forward to. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that's going to be exciting. Uh, we're keeping our eye across, you know, what the potential playoff matchups could be um, so that we can try and get to a, those games and 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 keep um i mean we do do podcasts through the summer but yeah we try and keep the excitement going for as long as we can fa trophy finals well we've got our eyes on that one but uh yeah uh to uh, the to finish in april is um it does feel a bit unusual i think the premier league goes on for about another month after that so uh yeah, yeah don't worry if, if that's not your bag we've still got plenty of non-league football going into may
0: yeah, absolutely, and I, I'd love to say we'll be big across every game, a bit like Talksport always say, but I'm not sure our team's big enough for uh, playoff semi final day when some somehow somebody decided to stage them all on the same day. Uh, we may be a bit stretched for that one. But uh, Joe, um, are you looking forward to uh, covering uh, some of the playoff games with us, uh, you know, this season for the first time?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think this season. There's not any one standout in the playoffs. Um in both playoffs, in the in the south and the north. Um, obviously you would imagine that if Notts County finished second, they will be the team to be in the playoffs. But in the North and the South, it seems a very open playoffs this year. So I'm really looking forward to viewing them as a neutral and seeing who joins us in the in the National League next year.
0: Well, brilliant. Um listeners, thank you for joining us this week and Whenever you do, don't forget to subscribe uh, on whatever your favourite podcasting platform is. And then as soon as the pod comes out, you will have it delivered to you. And that's, that's useful because we don't always get a tweet out straight away. Um, Luke sometimes stays up into the small hours editing them. And, uh, you know, if you are one of those people that works nights or just can't sleep of an evening, then uh, you might get your podcast delivered a little bit earlier. Uh, You say we're for insomniacs. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, uh, Luke obviously begins the uh, uh, task of editing this podcast and uh, the rest of us really retire for what's left of the bank holiday weekend. to maybe only apply our minds to what the podcast title might be. Um, We bid you farewell. Joe, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. And you and I will try very hard not to fall out over the coming weeks, but it's going to be difficult. Uh, and Dicky, um, he, he, I'm not sure whether that smile on his face is relief that the you know the major <laughs> decisions are over, or w- whether he's just got a touch of wind.
2: No, well, no, I can I can just enjoy other people's discomfort now, having been in such a lot for myself for quite a while. Um, so no, no, it's you know I don't you don't wish for anybody to be in that position but that's the game isn't it you know somebody has to win somebody has to lose
0: fair enough can't say uh, can't say fairer than that thanks for listening guys speak to you again soon